Do you have a side hustle? Are you doing some odd jobs on the side, getting paid, and wondering how you could possibly turn it into a business? Well, then you're in the right place because my next guest literally wrote the book on it. It's called Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business, 101 Plus Tricks of the Trade to Help Entrepreneurs and Self-Employed People Build a Money-Making Machine. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and as promised, today's guest is the author of Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business. 101 plus tricks of the trade to help entrepreneurs and self-employed people building a money-making machine. He's Mr. Joel Block, a self-described disruption futurist and a money business insider. Essentially, Joel's a longtime venture capitalist and a hedge fund manager who lives in a shark tank-like world like the one you see on TV. And since selling his publishing business to a Fortune 500 company, Joel has been giving keynote speeches at conferences around the world, sharing Wall Street insights that enhance stakeholder value by delivering growth strategies and the inside scoop to business executives and their teams on how they can disrupt their competitors' future. Now, I'm really looking forward to Joel's perspective on how we can all build a money-making machine, because what's not to like about that? So let's have him join us now. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Joel. Hey, thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing great, and I love the title of your book. It's fascinating, Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business. In your opinion, what is the difference between the freelancer who's adept at consistently hustling gigs and pays their bills, is self-employed, and a, quote, business, close quote? What makes a real business, in your opinion? You know, it's uh, it's really pretty simple. You know, it's who's doing the work. If uh, if you're the one that's doing all the hustling, then uh, then you've got a little gig business. If the business is doing the work for you and is driving the, the leads, driving the activity, that doesn't mean you don't do anything. But uh, if the business is doing a lot of the heavy lifting, uh, you know, like the prospecting, now you could have people inside prospecting for you. You could have such a great brand that the brand is prospecting for you, uh, that the brand is driving referrals for you. If you've done such a job of creating, you know, this giant bubble around your company that just uh, magnetizes people to you, then your business is doing a lot of the work. And it's enormously different having a business where the business does a lot of the work and you do some of the work or, or maybe even none of the work because you can sell that and you can't sell something where you're doing all of it all by yourself. Wow, that's a lot in there. I'd like to unpack that a little bit with you. So let's say we start with the person who's doing sure. all the hustling, okay? And they're good at it. You know, they they like what they do. They're good at being able to sell it to people. What steps do they need to take to create this business that you've just described where it has sort of a momentum and a little bit of a life on its own? They're still involved, but not up to their neck where they're still knocking down boxes out back. Well, you know, I, I first would ask that kind of person, if they're out there hustling, you know, making it happen, you know, rustling the weeds and, you know, just kind of shaking the trees and doing all the stuff, 
you know, what I would ask them is who then is doing the work when they sell a contract, who's actually delivering the services of the company or who's manufacturing the product of the company? Because if they actually have, uh, you know, other people doing the thing and all that one person is doing is the selling, then that's not so bad. That's pretty good. But the problem comes in when that person has to uh, run around town, make a sale, and then stop what that person is doing, go inside and, you know, deliver the work. That's really where the problem is. So uh, the, the company really has to, in order for it to be a company, uh, I'm not talking about a company that the government charges taxes to because that's just an entity. But in order for it to really become a business, uh, the business needs to you know, have some girth of its own. And that might mean uh, making sure that people know who you are on social media. It's okay to be a self-employed uh, you know, solo operator. But you got to build a tribe. You got to have people following you. You got to think that you got to have a group of people who think you're the cat's meow that just uh, believe that you know when you say something, it's worth listening, and that you have real uh, thought leadership around some topic, and that you're very clear about what that topic is. That you really are an expert in something, and that you want to stay away from you know blabbering on about things that you're not an expert at because people will catch you and that will dilute your uh, great value and your great brand. So it sounds a little bit, if I'm understanding you correctly, that it's what you're talking about is more focused on service businesses, or does it also equally apply to selling goods, whether it's brick or mortar or on the internet? Can you clarify a little bit for me? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference whether it's uh, service product or otherwise. Most, most gig businesses, though, are services businesses. I mean, that's just the nature of, of how it works. And so, uh, you know, they might be uh, graphic artists, they might be, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, speakers are, are gig people. Uh, the original word originated in the entertainment business. So people get, you know, just like a little, uh, little uh, a nighttime job, they, they do the job, and then they, uh, they're off to run to get the next one, uh, you know, you have to build is a machine. And the machine is where one person's busy getting the gigs. One person is busy doing the accounting. One person is going to execute the gig. And when you have a couple different people all doing the job that they're supposed to do, then you start to create some momentum. So um, how you put your brand in the marketplace and let the brand do some of the work, that's even, even better. But let's say you don't have that. You just have one person working the phone, one person uh, doing the accounting and, and the, kind of the operations of the company and another person actually delivering the services or building the product or whatever's happening. Um, you know, if you can break it into pieces and have a team of people doing it, then you really have a better shot at creating a, a real business. So let's say I am one of these gig entrepreneurs. All right. I think a lot of people sort of, uh, uh, fantasize about being a rock group you know they do their gigs on the weekend and maybe they start to cut a cd or an album when they're you know have something on youtube what have you um, what should they focus on first in constructing this money machine that you're advocating well first thing i would tell you is that you have to be crystal clear about uh, who you are what you do what you're going to say what your message is uh, you can't be flopping all around, uh, change in here and there. The market has to kind of get to know you. And, and it might take you a while to get real clarity about what it is that you're doing and who you're doing it for and what you're going to do for them. 
but the one thing that you don't want to do is when somebody says, uh, you know, so Joel, what do you do? Uh, I do anything for anybody that has any money. Uh, just, just give me some money and I'll figure out how to do it for you. That's the opposite of what you want to do. You'll never get a following. You'll never get people to understand who you are, what you do. So the first most important thing is you must get clarity uh, because you can't put a message into the market that, that isn't clear. So do you think that's the hardest thing for people to focus on? I, I, I think, believe it or not, it is absolutely among the hardest things. It may not be the single hardest thing because different people have different uh, levels of complexity with this, but it is absolutely one of the hardest things. Um, you know, even, even people like um, accountants have a hard time with this. You know, it's pretty simple. I'm an accountant. You know, well, what kind of accountant? There are all different kinds of accountants. Some accountants specialize in the entertainment business. who have got a lot of specialty stuff. Some accountants specialize in manufacturing concerns. Some do dentists. Some do doctors. Because these, these people, the clients they have, have certain common problems, and they get really good at solving those problems. I'll tell you who does very good at this are attorneys. Uh, attorneys are, are very, very good at turning work down because uh, if it doesn't fit in, in the because they understand what happens, what the consequence, what the legal ramification is of them sticking their nose out a little too far where it doesn't belong. And, and so, for example, an attorney will say, I only work on intellectual property like patents, or I only do the trademark part, or I only sue people who infringe on these things, but I don't actually get the trademark. So they're very, very detailed and refined about exactly what it is that they do. And that works to their great advantage. It makes it very easy for them to tell the world what they do. Because you've got to remember that people, I sort of think people have like a little uh, spreadsheet in their mind. And, you know, they'll, they'll have uh, one box uh, for intellectual property lawyer. You know, and, and some people have that box, some people don't. But let's say that you, you have that. And a lot of us who are in the gig world, we need to have that. Uh, because, you know, we do things where we need some help like that. Well, you know, there's not room for 22 different names to go in that box. So, you know, you might further uh, separate that box down by saying, uh, I am an intellectual property lawyer, but I focus on trademarks. Oh, oh, so you're a trademark intellectual property attorney, and boom, then uh, somebody can put your name in that box. So the next time they need help with that particular thing, the marketplace can start to recognize that. And that's how the just that step alone is how the business starts doing some of the heavy lifting for you by making the marketplace start to recognize who you are. All right. So definitely getting your marketing message and uh, your unique position nailed down is really, really critical. What other obstacles are there? I mean, let's say we've got our messaging right and we, we're not going to pivot every three months. What's next? Well, you know, I, I would I would actually say it's a little bigger than your marketing message. Uh, I would say it's really your strategic, it's your strategic direction where you're going. And uh, you know, I don't want to harp on this too much, but a lot of people really have a hard time with this. So, uh, assuming that they get that buttoned up and everything is everything is excellent, the next thing is that you want to lock down um, the uh, the revenue streams that you want to develop. You have to have multiple streams of revenue. You can't just have one way of making money on a person. And the reason for this is that uh, a person could could help. You could help a person in three or four or five different ways. 
but you have to know in advance what the likely ways are going to be that you're going to help people. Uh, so what you might do is you might enter a relationship by saying, uh, I am a uh, graphic artist and I make logos. Oh, perfect. You know, but you also uh, might have a, have a service where if they make a newsletter, you put the whole newsletter together for them. So you have your newsletter publishing department. It's really the same as, as the other work that you do, but by uh, separating it into something that's functionally different, uh, the marketplace can say, wow, that's, you know, I get that. I get that that's another service you can render to us. Now, you don't necessarily want to lead with that all the time, but if you're talking to somebody who needs logos, then you can be a logo person. If you're talking to somebody that needs uh, newsletter publishing, then you can lead with that. So you have to strategically lay out what are the different kinds of services that your business is going to uh, operate in. Uh, and pick one that's likely to be your lead, but be flexible that there may be some other ways to um, assert the other ones when the time is right. And that, uh, that will allow you to go deep. And going deep means that a person gives you uh, some number of dollars to build a logo, but there's a lot more money in that person's account uh, because they still need your help. You just have to find more ways to help the person uh, in that business that you're uh, serving as their uh, advisor, and you need to help them in, in a variety of different ways. And that's, that's the next really important uh, thing that people have an obstacle, they have a hard time with this, laying out their revenue streams. And now revenue stream, let me just clear up, is not, okay, I'm going to be in the graphic design business in the afternoon, and I'm going to mow lawns in the morning, and I'm going to run a restaurant in the evening. That's not what it is. It's how are we going to repurpose the same materials, same skills, same activities into different kinds of uh, dollars? And because you want the marketplace to know that you're a variety of things related to uh, the design field. <clears throat> and, and then once you do that, uh, you're going to help to mitigate uh, confusion and you're going to maximize revenue and profit. I appreciate the clarity that you've given this. And I'm sure that's going to help some of our listeners who are in a startup mode and trying to figure out what's what and how to maximize and leverage the skills that they do have in order to serve different needs of particular customers. Now, while we're on yeah. the sub subject of money, <laughs> as a professional investor living in a Shark Tank kind of world, what is the one thing you wish entrepreneurs knew before they tried to get your attention as a potential investor? Well, well th th this is a whole uh, discussion <laughs> to itself. <laughs> um, a day doesn't go by that somebody doesn't call me and ask me for capital okay, because I've got a fund and they call and they, hey, Joel, can you put some money in my deal? I was on the phone this morning with a guy who was trying to do that. And uh, Number one, a uh, lot of gobbledygook. A lot of these people think that by throwing around big words, uh, you know, a technology-enhanced uh, enablement strategy, you, you know, the bigger the <laughs> words get, the more I shut down. So. I don't really, you know, I don't want to hear, uh, it's not that I don't understand what they're talking about. I just want to hear in nice, plain English that everyone can understand what problem do you solve and how are we all going to make some money from you solving this problem? And then let's talk about who has the problem, how many people have the problem. Let's just make it really, really simple. Uh, you don't get any points for looking like uh, like a smarty pants in, in my world, to me, uh, you know, and I've been around this block here uh, a lot. 
And what I know is that most people are busy looking to the left and the money's on the right. They have no idea. They're, they're, they're jumping over $100 bills to pick up nickels. Uh, you know, that's what's happening. As we get into the nitty-gritty of looking for money, you know, about revenue streams, and I'm going to ask you about, uh, you know, all different kinds of things. But I'll, but I'll tell you, most people are so focused on uh, the minutia that sometimes they lose they lose track of the big picture, and it doesn't it doesn't ever work out well for those people. Well, Joel, you've been around a lot of big money, and it's a different world than where a lot of startups begin with limited funds, maybe they're working from their kitchen table, a spare bedroom, garage, basement, even clearing out a closet in order to have a little space that's dedicated to their files, their brainstorming, their little, little laptop computer. What advice would you give people about the mindset, you know, folks that are in that situation, about how they should think about money, besides asking you for it? But I mean, generally speaking. Well, yeah, I mean, listen. The, the truth is that most people are not going to get any capital. They're they're just not. And and, and I'll tell you that uh, access to capital is not a constitutional right in the United States of America. <laughs> so nobody nobody owes anything to you. And the truth is that most people should not get capital. It, it, it's not funny when something goes wrong and somebody else is going to take control of your life. It, it's just not good. Most businesses that we're talking about, you know, are businesses that are they're called lifestyle businesses. They're designed for you to take care of your family, and and that's really what most people are building. If you want to build something that's more substantial than that, totally different story. If you want to build something you could sell, totally different story. Then maybe you need to consider some alternatives. But um, for most people who are building lifestyle businesses, uh, what I would tell them is you got to hang in there. I mean, and and not everybody agrees with me on this particular point, uh, you know, and when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Right. <clears throat> I, I love to sell. So I think that selling is the most important part of any entrepreneurial endeavor. And I'll tell you why, and I hope this doesn't hurt too many people's feelings, although I promise a couple people's feelings are going to be hurt at least a little. And that is that, um, let's say the greatest designer in the world, and I'm a seller, so I go out and I sell design services. You know, I could be a mediocre designer, or I could hire a mediocre designer, but I'm the one that made the sale. So money's moving in my environment. You could be the greatest designer in the world, and if nobody knows about you, or if you can't get the message across, or if you can't sell it, or if you can't sell yourself for a reasonable number of dollars, because, uh, by the way, uh, to be a better seller, it, in order to get more money, you got to be a little better seller. Anybody can sell for a low price, but better ones are going to sell for a higher price. So uh, I think that selling is is really among the most important skills that any of us need to acquire. And I would tell you that whether you're a designer or an attorney or an accountant or whatever you are, no matter what business, you have to learn how to sell your services because that's how you make money move. Absolutely. Now, You've been a successful entrepreneur, are a successful entrepreneur. What have been some of the unexpected surprises you've encountered when you were building your businesses? Well, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a funny thing. Uh, every once in a while, the phone rings, and you answer it, and it turns into something. It just, it just does, you know, and you have to be on your toes ready for a surprise all the time. 
So uh, a couple weeks ago, I was on a I was on a call with some friends of mine, a little brainstorming type call, and I said to somebody, I want to build an app, a mobile app. I have an idea for something I want to do. And the uh, just a very recent example of a surprise. And the person, uh, somebody on the call said, hey, listen, I know a guy. Here's his phone number. So he puts me in touch with the guy, and I, I talk to him. And it turns out the guy was a, quite a high-level uh, programmer, engineer-type person. But he also had, like, a lot of marketing sense. And he said, you know, Joel, uh, building an app requires, uh, you know, more than just the engineering. There's all these other things involved. And, and he really got me thinking in a different way, which uh, because I was open-minded to thinking in a new way, a whole new possibility opened up, and I've kind of re-architected what my idea was. So you really have to be open-minded. You have to um, just be aware that once in a while a surprise is going to land in your lap, and you don't know where it's going to take you. Um, and I don't tell you to chase every shiny object and go down every rabbit hole because that's not a good idea either. But I was I was app thing, and I was conscious enough about my own skills that, gee, maybe I don't know everything about this. Maybe I need to listen to some other people, take their ideas, and then reformulate my idea around their ideas. And, and this just happened to be a really good referral. Now, of course, the guy could have just been an engineer and given me some engineering advice, and I wouldn't have made any progress. Um, and I would have felt that something was missing, but I wouldn't have necessarily known what it was. Uh, but in this particular case, I, uh, I was looking for some help and I found it. So you have to be open to that. And if you don't ask, you don't get, right? If you don't ask, you don't ever, ever get, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so I'd like to come back to your book for a moment because I know we're getting short on time here. Stop Hustling Gigs, Start Building a Business. It's available on Amazon. What inspired you to write that? Well, this is, uh, this is a, uh, an important story. Uh, you know, having spent um, most of my life in venture capital, raising money, being inside of companies. I've probably been inside of a thousand companies, uh, maybe more. I don't know. I have no idea, uh, but a lot of companies. And, you know, everyone, you know, once in a while I would learn a little surprise. Like I'd watch somebody and they had a technique that I thought was really cool, or they had a style that I thought was really cool, or they asked a question that I thought was really cool. And, and I kind of made some notes over time about this. And, and some number of years ago, as my children uh, were getting a little older, they're in their late 20s now, but when they were in high school, we started talking about uh, economics. My oldest daughter was taking economics in high school, and uh, she would ask questions, and we'd have some discussion, and i try to make it very simple so the kids could understand it, and they were kind of getting into it. And I thought, you know, everything that I've learned, I better, I better write this stuff down so that they have really a catalog or an anthology of the way that I think. And and I put this little book together, you know, for them. It was just really like a little diary I put for them. But when I looked at it, I thought, man, this is this is just way too good not to let people see it. And that's really where it came from. I just, it was a, uh, it just, you know, it's just what I learned uh, in the entrepreneur business. Uh, I, you know, and even though I work with a lot of bigger companies, this is designed for, little, little businesses, because it really helps them to see the world in a different way, negotiate in a better way, sell in a better way, ask for questions, and just think about the strategies that they need. And it's a simple book, too. But, you know, it's the kind of book that if you read one little chapter, and the chapter is maybe two pages. If you read a chapter uh, every week, and you just did one thing every week, 
Uh, that's the way you benefit from a book like this. Well, it also sounds like a great reference guide so that you could skip around to whatever issue you happen to be facing at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm really glad yeah. that you put all those thoughts together, that you were collecting them over the years. I mean, this is a lot of collective wisdom and somebody else's blood, sweat, and tears. So thank you for doing this. The name of the book, Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business. Thank you, Joel. This has been very informative. I appreciate your joining me. Well, listen, thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining me. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you can go to our website at businessconfidentialradio.com. It's got a lot of other powerful information and resources available to help your business grow. So be sure to check that out. The website, again, is businessconfidentialradio.com. I'm Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and you've been listening to Business Confidential Now. Have a great rest of the day and an even better tomorrow. <laughs>